This is the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am Justin Oswald. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Justin Oswald underscore. Proceed with caution. With me today, we have Brad Livingston here with us. Um, and also back with us again, Pastor Dan Livingston, the founding pastor here at Transformation Church. So they're both with us today. What's up, guys? Hey. Hey, buddy. How you doing? So uh, this is a bit of a different week. Um, we we had a we had some unfortunate uh, things the last the last couple of days. Um, for for many of you that listen to us, you may have heard uh, in some of our conversation with me and Pastor Brad about him talking about his son Jabin, who uh, has special needs. Jabin uh, went to be with the Lord on Friday after a, a battle uh, in the hospital, and uh, Jabin Jabin passed on Friday. So uh, we had a different church service Sunday. Uh, Pastor Dan stepped in and and preached a powerful message. But um, but yeah, we're we're in the process and dealing with the loss of someone very important to our church and obviously to our pastors here, and uh, so that's something we're dealing with here at, at, at Transformation Church. So everyone that listens that has, has heard the story, we appreciate um just all the love and support and prayers that have gone out. And we got a service, you know, his his we're gonna celebrate his life and legacy, um, you know, coming up this week. And um, yeah, it's it's been it's been it's been incredible to see the love and support as we as we kind of walk through this process. Yeah. yeah, we've always, you know, we've always talked about as a family, uh, you know, number one, obviously going through, this has not been a short journey whatsoever. This wasn't, uh, I think, I think when someone passes on, it's always unexpected to an extent, but in certain situations it it's somewhat expected. Um, you know, in, in, in Jabin's particular situation, you know, they gave us a life expectancy four years ago. Um, that was pretty close to what they said and, and just all those things. And, uh, and, you know, we were in the hospital, you know, he had some, some complications that led to us being there, just a number of things kind of all culminated. So I would, it was never, uh, I wouldn't use the word expected while at the same time, um, part of us in, in our hearts felt we, we did expect, um, you know, and, and our prayer has been for the last little while, for those of you that maybe you're watching or, or you're listening, but you've never, you know, you never met Jabin or what have you, you know, uh, his, his mobility was limited. You know, I, I, the way I would describe it is he was, he was a newborn in reference to his physical capabilities. Um, so he, he didn't talk, didn't clap, didn't walk. You know, he, he was completely dependent on myself and Ashley and pastor and whoever was taking care of him to, to help him move in the bed and just all those things. And so, you know, our prayer has been father, heal him or take him home. Um, and that's, you know, that's not an easy, easy prayer to, to pray, uh, while at the same time knowing that, uh, what's best for Jabin. And it's what I told my wife before he passed, when we were in the hospital, I said, we have got to pray for what's best for Jabin. Um, and, and for him to be whole, wherever that's going to be. So Lord, if you're going to heal him here, heal him here. If you're going to take him home and that's where he's going to be whole, then, you know, we're giving you permission as if you need it from us, but we're, we're giving you our heart to say, you know, we're, we're, we're ready to at least put that back in your hands. And, and, uh, man, the Lord was faithful. Just like pastor said on in his sermon, the Lord was faithful to answer two big prayers for us. That was for my wife to be there. I would have loved to have been there. I was taking care of some of some other things. It was kind of very quick and un- unexpected in regards to how quickly it happened. So, I, um, but Pastor Dan and my wife were both there, and that was the kind of two big prayers that we had. Um, we didn't want to be in bed by himself. So, all that to say, uh, we've uh, we have experienced an amazing outpouring of love and support um, from an amazing church family, and then people that we haven't talked to and 
15 years 10 years and social media just kind of does that for people it kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of connects people that uh you you didn't used to be able to connect with quite as easily you know so there's just a number of those things we we just you know we want to thank uh just our church body for one who has just been spectacular and and extending so much love and support to our family um, and at the same time, you know, giving us what we need, uh, whether that be time and space, uh, or also bringing us what we need in regards to, to food. And I know there's been a, a, a huge outpouring financially, uh, to help with us with what, with all the arrangements. And so, I mean, we're just, we're just so grateful. Um, it, it hurts, you know, um, it's, it's going to be a, a tough journey over the next few months. And, and quite frankly, even in the years to come, but particularly the next few months are, are going to be tough. We know that, but we're also well aware that the same God that sustained us through the last four years will continue to sustain us um, until we get to hold him again. And uh, and so, you know, here we are um, being faithful to the fact that when the Lord calls you and the Lord puts his hand on you and the Lord graces you and he gives you mercy to carry out the mission that he is destined for you, uh, he'll also sustain you with what you need to endure the journey that you're on uh, in the midst of it. So, yeah, I, you know, your mom and I, Kathy, we were talking this morning while we had coffee at the house, and you know, God's taught us so much through Jabin. You know, he he opened our eyes to the special needs community. That's why we have the Haven now. Havens are opening up all over the nation uh, because of Jabin, and um, but then it, it's also taught us to understand and really have more compassion on families, you know, that are going through what we've gone through over the last, really the last year, two years, so many days in ICUs and hospitals and hospice. Mm -hmm. And, and we've learned and experienced that now. And then to experience the loss, you know, it, it really, until you've been there, you can stand by a thousand people's bedside, but until it's you, you know, someone came to me yesterday and, and, and in love and they were right. They said, uh, you know, I know you wouldn't bring him back if you could. And I said, yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah. I said, uh, the selfish part of me would. I said, no, I really wouldn't because it's not best for him as far as be coming back sick like he was. But I said, I miss him so much, you know, holding him that, yeah, today I would probably bring him back if I knew he could be well. Yeah. Sure. But, uh, you know, so you, you learn. We, we're learning, but it also opens our life up to having a greater level of compassion for people that are going through it, you know, when you're in the middle of it, it's like you, it's only, you're the only one that's going through this when you realize there's thousands of families all across the nation going through it while we are. And it just gives you a whole new understanding of what people are going through. That's right. Good stuff. Well, I got to say, you know, um, you know, Pastor Brad was not with us in service on, on Sunday, so he could be just kind of home with his wife. Um, you know, Pastor Dan preached an incredible message um, which is so funny. You, you mentioned Sunday, you know, that you were, you were going to preach this message anyways. This was the message you had prepared, right. but how it just fit with, with everything that was going on. And, um, man, it was just, it was a really powerful Sunday. It, it was really good. Well, thank you. Know? I mean, the people were very supportive. I want to say with what pastor Brad said though earlier, um, you know, we, we can't say thank you enough for the TC family and how you've embraced us through this whole journey. But we also want to say thank you to all the local churches here in town and yes. pastor friends that have so embraced our family through this whole journey. You know, not just now, but the phone calls, the offers of food, everything. Um, you know, when people say the church is not 
alive or the church is dead. They just haven't met the real church, you know, and yeah. the kingdom of God is very much alive. And, and we just want to do a big shout out to all of our pastor friends uh, locally and across the nation Absolutely, and, uh, that have reached out to us in an amazing way. We say thank you. But yeah, we, yeah the, it was it was really neat Sunday because, like you said, you know, we turn our notes in early so that we can have them printed to hand out, uh, you know, during the week for Sunday. And so nothing changed. We didn't change one thing in the notes. It just was a perfect fit. It was a God thing. Yeah. You know, it was definitely a God thing. And we had people, you know, get saved and, and yeah. all that. And we had people in church that hadn't been here in a while. I, I you know, just coming to show their support, you know, I think in, in during, uh, under these circumstances, but um, we had people that hadn't seen in a while, which was awesome to have some people back, back in the house. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good day. So let's, let's get into the message a little bit. Let's talk about, um, what we, uh, what we were talking about, uh, pastor, we were talking about being, you know, uh, as we we're image bearers of God, you know, and that's, that's kind of the, the, the whole thing. So let's talk about that a little bit, pastor. Well, you know, pastor Brad started our series that we do every year and it's one of our most popular. So we really take it for two months called real talk. And the area that he had given to me to share on was Christianity with a C over Christianity with a K, the K representing false uh, you know, unreal, just out there, but it's not a true representation of the of the gospel. And uh, and so that was the theme. And the way I felt to go with it was, uh, if we're going to be true Christians, Christianity that's real, then we have to really understand what does it mean to be a true image bearer of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we kind of went on that theme. Awesome, awesome. So let's let's get into the to the notes a little bit. Um, it was also Pentecost Sunday. Yeah, that that's a big deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it really is, you know, because we, you can't really be a true image bearer of Jesus without the experience of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know, we talked about his person, his presence, his power being evident in our life. And, uh, you know, we all, we, we always go, what is a spirit filled church? And we base right. that so often on the outward emotions you know, of what we would think Pentecost really represents, but that's really not the true representation of Pentecost. You know, Pentecost came and God took a guy that had done the unforgivable sin of that time, Peter, and, and used him to preach a message, uh, just weeks after his failure and 3000 people were saved instantly, you know, uh, the outpouring of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy spirit, on the day of Pentecost was not about all the manifestations as it was about that supernaturally he spoke through a language that the people understood, though the the people who was using it did not, and it allowed Peter to get up and preach a message and 3,000 people gave their heart to Christ. And so the ultimate sign of a spirit-filled church or a spirit-filled believer is not the manifestations we do. It's are we bringing people into the kingdom of God because no man comes to the Father unless he's drawn by the Holy Spirit. That's right. And so a spirit-filled church is a soul-winning church. That's right. Yeah, I think we should say that again. A spirit-filled church is a soul-winning church. Um, And it's, you know, uh, we've talked about it before where it's like, man, a lot of churches and a lot of Christians equate how spirit-filled uh, a church services to how spooky it is or how many spectacles there are or how many, uh, you know, how much yeah. of, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't use those terms. Right. Spooky, no, no, no. They, they <laughs> yeah. would, you know, they, they would use terms like authentic and real. And it's in the re the reality is, 
Um, you know what I mean? That if people aren't getting saved in your church service, then you're having church for yourself. And, uh, man, the, the authentic Holy Spirit is here to convict and to bring comfort. Um, and, but in that conviction to convict those that are lost to a place of finding Jesus and those who are saved to a place of becoming more like him, um, like that, you know, that's what he does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Uh, and so there's just, that's noteworthy in regards to church services, you know? So, uh, you know, you don't have to do all the stuff for it to be a Holy Spirit church service. Uh, so that's just huge. Yeah. I I had one Sunday and people mean, well, you know, a lady coming to me and she go, and we had a service where it was more i'm gonna use you know there was more energy energy i would guess you would say more movement more shouting worship was louder i guess whatever and the lady came to me and she goes well i'm just so thankful that y'all allowed the holy spirit to move today and i was like we had more people saved last sunday than we did this sunday so how did he move more today than he did then yes and we base it on what she, we she see got, yeah, with she, our got more, eyes. she got more goosebumps is yeah. what it was yeah. yeah and so i i'm gonna always take it back i will never trade ever one soul being saved on a sunday for a two-hour demonstration of shouting and dancing and i love all of that but if people aren't being converted in it, then how can we say it's spirit filled? Well, at the end of the day, here's the bottom <laughs> line. We talking now? Biblically, let's talk. We talking now? Not like culturally, it. not not traditionally. Let's talk Bible. Well, the, every Friday night, there's people uh, jumping, shouting, crying, and singing in bars, but that's not the Holy Spirit. You know, every Saturday night, there's people jumping, shouting, screaming, crying at concerts, but that's not the Holy Spirit. But Listen, then we put it in a church, and now yeah. it's the Holy Spirit. I fall out every night. Every at, night. At my house. Right. <laughs> on, into my bed. But into that's my- not the Holy Spirit. So we, you know, we've equated the Holy Spirit to a bunch of manifestations. Um, don't get me wrong. I believe that the Holy Spirit does supernatural things in people's lives, but we have made the Holy Spirit all about what he can be for saved people to make us feel better today. Um, when that's not really his job in scripture whatsoever, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, we constantly see how it's equated to those that are saved and those that are lost. And the, and the, the manifestation, the way that the Holy Spirit moves on behalf of those that are saved, rarely in the word look like the ways that we think are great church services today. Like we don't see that often. So, um, yeah. So all the things that people look at a church service that have been saved for a long time and they go, Oh, the Holy spirit really showed up today. Um, I could, we, we could play the right music and preach the right sermon to make it feel like that every week, which I fear churches are doing across the country Oh, hey now. every single week, not every church. Some sure. churches are doing every single week across the country and we're, n- and, but people aren't getting saved in many of those churches. So it's, we can make it feel like Christians are having a good time. We can make it feel like the type of sermon, the type of church service that feels like the Holy spirit is doing something special. Um, that's a very manipulative, uh, way of thinking about things. But here's one thing you can't manipulate. You can't manipulate people into the kingdom of God successfully. You can manipulate them into feeling like they did or, or try to emotionally sway them. But at the end of the day, when people authentically give their life to Jesus, that is 100% the Holy Spirit. Um, we preach the gospel, but that is 100% John six forty four doing its work, the Holy Spirit drawing those that are far from him. Yeah. So yeah, that's, you, you may that's can, the Holy Spirit. You may can be charismatic enough within your preaching to prompt someone to raise their hand when you Correct. ask them to and all that, but that that's not... We all know that doesn't necessarily you know, just because they raise their hand doesn't mean they, they necessarily got saved that day. Um, 
Yeah, so it goes back to something I'm reading here in the notes. It says how we view God determines how we approach him as well as how we represent him. It kind of goes back to what you're saying. Sometimes it's like your view of God and, and you know, the Holy Spirit and you know how you view him may be determined how some of these um, you know churches church services happen. You know, well, you know, I said Sunday. It's not Jesus and it's not the gospel that many in the world are rejecting. It's the misrepresentation of both that's been given by the church. Mm-hmm. That we've turned more or as many people off by a false representation of him than we have won to him by a true representation. That's why we have to understand the importance of becoming true image bearers of Christ, that good church is not enough, that we've got to walk this out. People have to see Christ in us. You know, good church service and nobody got saved, then what's even the purpose of it? Yeah. You know, I I can have revival. I don't need a church with hundreds of people to enter into the presence of God. I do that every day in my personal devotion and worship. Right, right. Now, I love to do that with the body, but I don't need it. But when we come together, we create a safe haven for unchurched people to come and hear a message they can understand, a true representation of Christ in people's lives, worship that they can receive and not even understand it, but belong before they believe Mm -hmm. and know that God's got something powerful there for their life. So how we view God is how we approach him. And if we view God as this dictator that's ready to knock us out every time we breathe wrong then that's how we're going to approach him versus a father. If I view him as a father, then he loves me on my good and bad day. Right. You know, and I'll approach him as such, but I will also represent him how I view him. And if I view him as this judgmental God, then that's how I'm going to treat other people. Well, yeah, and I think that there's also some, something else to be noteworthy about too. You know, we have, we have a unique calling as a church to be um, very evangelistic on Sundays. And I get that that's not every church's job that's not the calling for every house however being evangelistic is the call for every house now you may not do it on sundays sunday may be the day that you empower your people to go out and do it on you know through small groups or whatever 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 the case may be and i i get that as well you know i think about guys like david platt and matt chandler tim keller guys amazing churches across the country uh, who I highly respect, I highly regard, you know, their primary purpose for Sundays isn't evangelism. It's to, um, it's to encourage and uh, equip the church members to go out and do that uh, Monday through Friday. And and that's the call that God put on their church. So I'm not saying that it's a, it's a better than like our church is better than because like, that's not really, that's not our angle here. This is the call that we have. And, and so we're setting out to fulfill it uh, the best we can. What we do know, however, is that if a believer is looking to get more out of a church service on a Sunday, then they're looking to impact the world around them on any day. Now you're talking about someone who's become selfish with what the Holy Spirit is for them. Um, and I think that that's noteworthy because there are other churches in our city that that's the way that they operate, but they're definitely effective in regards to taking the gospel to the world around them. So we want to, you know, definitely want to preface that it's not a backpedal. It's a, it's a clarification in some sense that, uh, if you, if, if a church wants to do that, that's fine, but there has to be some sort of metric. If your church, if you consider it a successful spirit filled church, there has to be some sort of metric, some sort of identification of lost people coming to Jesus in some shape form or fashion or don't call it spirit filled just call it a country club mm-hmm. so 
Like, that's the clarification. Yeah. So you can be part of a, a country club where all you guys get together and, and have fun and cook each other meals and do all that jazz. If you want to do that, that's fine. But don't call it a Holy Spirit-filled church service or don't call it a Holy Spirit-filled church if lost people aren't coming to, well, to let's Jesus. Let's take church out of the – I know we got to get into the message here, but let's take church out of the – take that terminology out. You cannot be a Spirit-filled believer and not be a soul winner. Right. That sums it up. Biblically, right. you cannot be a spirit-filled believer, have an experience with the fullness of baptism, the, whatever term you want to use in the Holy Spirit, and not be sharing your faith with the unchurched. You cannot biblically do that. Right. Definitely. No, you're, you're 100% right. So I, I want to bring clarification to that so that there's not a misnomer. There's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that aren't even saved. There's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are brand new Christians, and we always want to paint the complete picture of what God is doing at TC and not versus, not against, and what God is doing other houses and, and how we complement each other, uh, not how we uh, go against each other. However, the unique call that we have is something we celebrate, um, which gets us into model Christianity, not model Christianity, but mature Christianity, which is what Pastor talked about on Sunday. So, uh, Justin, let, let's take us there. What do we... Uh, so we got the what was the the scripture? Do we want to, didn't we have a base scripture there? Is that the Second Corinthians three eighteen passage? Uh, well, we started with Second Corinthians three eighteen, where it says, "And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into His image." Talking about image bearers with ever with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we talked about salvation is an instant event. We, we're saved immediately when we call upon the Lord, but becoming an image bearer is a journey. And he says that we're being transformed into his image. And then we ask the question, then what does that image look like? What, mm-hmm. what would that be if we're saying we're being transformed into the image of God? Well, John 1, 14 gives us what that looks like. He said, the word Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us and because he was flesh, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The two qualities or characteristics of Jesus that, as image bearers, we must have in our life. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. All right, so the ingredients required to become an image bearer of, of Christ, first uh, is grace, was the first point, is grace. Grace is unmerited favor. We all, we've heard that as growing up in church is something you can never get, but you can only be given. And it's an unconditional love and acceptance. And so grace being that amazing gift that God gave every one of us when we came to him and before we came to him, uh, there was great grace shown in our life. And, and we shared grace demonstrates the relational aspect of God's character. You know, that uh, he wants to be a father to us, that uh, he wants to know us personally. You know, he comes into that relationship with us that, you know, uh, I, I talked about, you know, a parent, parents, their child when they're mine. We tell our kids what they can and cannot do as parents. But then when they become adults, we coach them. Mm-hmm. They now make their decision and we father them. We grace them at that point, you know, that they have room to make mistakes now. And but we don't disown them when Brad made mistakes as a young boy or a teenager or even today as an adult. Plenty of them. I don't change his last name. <laughs> right. And disown him because there's grace there because grace was given. So the the unmerited favor of God's grace, but we shared that grace by itself is very dangerous. You know, grace is unmerited favor, it's unconditional love, but grace by itself 
also now creates a, a life with no boundaries. Right. That now we have an unlimited opportunity to go out and do whatever we want to do because no boundaries are established within grace. Which which brings up, you know, one, there's something very powerful you said in there earlier. You said grace is not something you get. Grace is given or something you can get. Sure. Grace is you given. You can't earn it. Right. And then, but what you're talking about is, is the, uh, with no boundaries. It's almost like when people think of, because of, because I know God gives grace, I can do whatever I want. Right. You know, right. it's, it's yeah. goes back to the, I've always just kind of called that pimp and grace. Right. You know, <laughs> right, right, you right. do, you live however you want to live because you know, God's gracious. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it, and that's not what grace is or not what it's intended for is to yeah. be like permission well, and at the end of the yeah, at the end of the day, as believers, you know the, the you will know them by their fruit. Like so, the evidence that you are saved is the Holy Spirit in your life, and the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is the conviction in your life of the things that are constantly needing to change, being identified by the Bible, not by religion, but the things that are in your life that constantly are needing to change, which I'm sure we'll talk about in just a second. Um, So the Holy Spirit's conviction in your life to change you uh, is an identification of Christ in you. Um, And so people that come in and say that they don't need to change, they're good, like, great, yeah, I've got grace, I don't, you know, I can continue doing everything I'm doing, is it shows that the Holy Spirit isn't present. Uh, and as we know, the Holy Spirit is an active part of regeneration, which is regeneration as part of salvation. So if you've been saved through salvation by the grace of Jesus through the cross, then you've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he indwells. Uh, therefore, the Holy Spirit will convict. So if there is no conviction, there is no regeneration. If there's no regeneration, there's no salvation. So if you feel like you can continue doing what you're doing, um, without any recompense or uh, without any guilt or anything like that. You feel like you can continue just to sin how you want. Grace makes up the difference. That's the key identification that Jesus is not actually a part of your life. Right. Yeah, so, that's good. Um, and, and Pastor, you gave an example of, of, the, of this with Peter. Yeah. Yeah, well, Peter, you know, Peter won the religious debate at the Last Supper, you know, telling mm-hmm. Jesus, I'm the best, I'm the greatest. They may all depart from mm-hmm. you, but you don't have to worry about me. I'll be with you to death. and. <laughs> You know, and, and Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, you don't even get it. He said, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. And, of course, Peter uh, rebutted that and immediately went out. And, of course, we all know the story. The young girl approaches Peter, and you're one of his. And after three times, he curses and swears and says, I don't know him, and screaming, you know, publicly, which in that day by the religious system was an unforgivable sin that Peter committed. And so you have to, we have to think about how did Peter feel after that? You know, he's, he's down, he's down on himself. He feels unworthy. Uh, God, he, he failed him, failed God at the worst level and Jesus dies now and he's buried and, and Peter's over here feeling like he blew it and there's no hope for him ever. And he's under all this condemnation. And, and so Jesus resurrects and Mary and them go to the tomb to visit his body and the stones rolled away and the angels there. And I love what they said. The angel said to Mary said, he is risen. He's in Galilee. Like he said, he would be waiting for you. Tell the disciples and tell Peter Mm -hmm. that Jesus wants to see him in Galilee. The one who failed the most is the one Jesus mentioned by name. Yeah. That's called grace. That's powerful. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, going back to something you said, pastor is, uh, you know, you were mentioning, 
you know, in reference to when I mess up or when I messed up in the past, you know, you didn't look to change my name, you know, and that's a great picture of the father, you know, God is a father to us and a grace, extending that grace. And, and I, I think it's noteworthy to even mention to, uh, to those that are listening right now that maybe some of you may have had a father and that person, that was a terrible example to you of what a father should be. Maybe you just had like your father was, was bad. You yeah. know, Justin, I don't mean you have talked about how you, like you, you know, your parents did a, an amazing job raising you. You yeah. believe that they were, I believe uh, they did that, great. Yeah. that they did a great job raising. Obviously, Pastor Dan did an amazing job raising uh, myself. However, there are plenty of listeners out there that, you know, when we talk about God as a father, they have a very hard time making that connection because like their father was a joke or maybe he wasn't present at all or maybe his absence uh, was you know devastating to them, or maybe maybe his presence was more painful than it had he been absent, or whatever the case may be, you know. And and we just want I want to encourage listeners to, you know, if thinking about God as a father is a painful thing for you, then I want you to picture the greatest version of a father you could ever imagine, and know that that image that you've got in your mind still doesn't live up to who God is for you, exactly. his love for you uh, and how much he wants to uh, extend grace to you and, and love on you and, and be there for you. So I, I you know, I just, I, I want that to be noteworthy because sometimes we'll make analogies that just don't hit for some people. They're going, that's a terrible analogy for me. Cause I hate, you know, whatever. So yeah, the concept of a loving father is foreign to so, to, yeah. to so many people, you know, and it's becoming more and more foreign That's right uh, to society and culture right now. And I think we before we move on, we have to really go back because we're a grace church. I mean, you know, we really I love the quote that Pastor Brad opens up with every Sunday. You know, we're a place that you can belong before you believe. Mm -hmm. And that's grace, you know. But what we also see the danger of the ultra grace, if we want to call it that, is that it does create an environment for people to come to Christ, raise their hand, make a prayer, but never leave a pattern Mm-hmm. You know, that's repeated failure. And so they come to church every Sunday and they never truly experience the freedom, the encounter with God. Absolutely. That that will change their life. So they struggle. And that's why 87% of the church never moves into their freedom. It's because they, they've experienced grace, but only grace alone. Right. And that's why Galatians 5.13 says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in a sinful nature. That, that grace is a great quality and characteristic of the image of Christ, but alone it doesn't fulfill mm-hmm. the, pur- the total purpose. That's it. Right. And so grace uh, grace brings us to uh, to truth. Yeah, point right. number that, two is Point truth. number two is truth. Um, so, Pastor, give us the rundown on, uh, on, on approaching truth from the standpoint of grace. Well, the, you know, the Bible, we always use the scripture, the tr- you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The truth being what? The Word of God. That's truth. That's the scripture, the law. And uh, truth is the second ingredient that must be in our life if we're going to be true image bearers of Christ. There's grace, unmerited favor that we receive, but then truth now comes and balances it out. Grace dealt with the relational aspect of God's character, but truth deals with the structural aspect of God's character that, okay, I've come to Jesus. He hasn't judged me. He's shown me much grace. He's loved me unconditionally. He's received me to himself. But now he says, now that I, that you come to me, I want to set some boundaries in your life. Yeah. And, and they're not the law of man though. We have man's laws, but here's my law, my truth that if you govern your life by this, 
you're going to enjoy the favor and the blessing of God in your life. He says that, that the wages of sin is still death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so he says, now that you've received my unconditional love, I want to help you and let's establish some boundaries that you're going to now govern your life by according to my word. And he gives us boundaries in our marriage, our sexuality, our finances, our health, every aspect of our life. God has a set of boundaries, guidelines that he said, if you govern yourself by this truth, the truth is going to set you free. That's good. And now let's talk about the example you gave of Adam and Eve. Yeah, well, Adam and Eve in the garden, Jesus told him, you can enjoy all of this. And this is where Christians mess up because we, you know, we also, we do the same thing Adam and Eve did. God told him, you can have this entire garden, but there's this one tree. If you eat of it, you're going to die. And they wrestled with that one tree <laughs> when they could have had everything else and not had any conflict in life. And don't right. we do the same thing? You know, in our daily journeys, we wrestle with the things that really we don't even have to mess with, and we avoid the things that God has made so That's free and available so to true. us, you know. And so he told them, here's boundaries. And if you violate these boundaries, you're going to die. Right. And so they violated the boundaries, and so he had to remove them from the garden. And so he tells us there, there's truth here, and if you will abide by this truth, then you're going to find freedom. And so I, I shared with them that our ultimate responsibility as pastors, and the three of us are here of Transformation Church, is not to make our people members. Like Pastor Brad just said, our ultimate desire and calling is to make sure that everyone that walks in these doors has a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That it's not just grace, but there's now truth and grace actively involved in their life that they don't continue to live that pattern that they were living when grace was applied to their life. But now they come to Jesus and know they're worthy, know that he loves them, know that he has something special for them, and they apply the truth of God's word that says, no, if you're a believer and an image bearer of Jesus, you can't live like this. You you can't be over here living this lifestyle. Right. Here's the boundaries. Here's the guideline. Here's truth. You know, I can say I don't like that red light being there, and I'm not going to stop. Because I don't want it there. Right. Well, sooner or later, somebody's going to hit you (laughs) because you didn't obey the law Mm -hmm. that was laid down. Well, I can say I don't like that part of the Bible. I don't like what it says right there. But sooner or later, it's going to catch you. That's right. But if I stay within those boundaries of what truth, truth was not given to tell me what I cannot do. Truth was given so that I could know what I can do and enjoy the favor and the blessing of God. Yeah, it's so funny. Justin Justin and I were talking about this uh, yes, yesterday. We were talking about, I don't know yeah, yeah, about yeah, it was yesterday at uh. Starbucks. We were talking about um, some people that we know in reference to different lifestyles and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I was, we, I was telling Justin, you know, I said, when you sit, if you sit down with someone and you hand them a piece of paper and a pen and you say, you write down your biggest struggle right now, write down your biggest struggle. If they can't write something down, then they have permitted something in their life and made it okay. Mm-hmm. They have they have voided truth in their life. So uh, if you if if you go talk to someone and they say no 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 I'm totally like I believe that what that thing that you're saying and that the Bible is saying and that everyone is saying is wrong I believe that's okay. Um, and so if you go by that and you say 
I believe that's okay. You say, okay, then write down the sin that you struggle with. And say, well, I don't, I don't really struggle with anything. It's like, well, that's the thing you're struggling with. Yeah. Like we all struggle with sin. So to think that you're going to be the person that doesn't just because you've made what you have in your life. Okay. That it's still a struggle. Like that's still the, there's still the parameter. Like you're outside the box. Like you said, Sunday, like you're still living outside the, the guardrails. You're still living outside the boundaries. Like you got to get back in the boundaries, even though it challenges you. Uh, you have to get back inside the boundaries. So if you're looking at your life and you're saying, there's nothing in my life that I really struggle with, well, there is, you've probably just made it okay in your own mind. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. well, you know, I said there, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, I said, God loves everyone, but he doesn't love everything that everyone's doing. Sure. You know, we have to come to that. Absolutely. What you're saying there is that we allow something to become so through grace, we've accepted something to be okay that's not okay because we did not apply the truth. Sure. You know. Well, and here's the deal. You know, the Al Bethay said it when he was on. The most offensive thing in the world is the Bible, you know, because it constantly tells us these things about our lives that need to change. It constantly puts boundaries in place for us. It constantly identifies, you know, when I lose my anger, lose my temper, um, it, it identifies how I need that that has to change in my life when i lose my ability to uh be kind and love on a brother or sister that have offended me it identifies like hey you got to change that about you well i don't want to yeah you don't have to want to but you do have to do yeah, it like you, do it. you yeah, don't we, have to want any of these things but we've <laughs> set this we've set this stage man i mean look at society today we're teaching our elementary children you know if you don't agree with your teacher walk out of the room you know, type attitude, you know, if you don't agree with something, just protest it. Well, I think we you should know? protest like common core math. But other than that, I agree. I think, we you should. know, I mean, so now we've created a mindset and I'm not saying there's not things to protest. I'm just saying that we now we've created that mindset. Well, if God's word says it and I don't agree with it, I'll just protest it. I, I don't have to go with it because it's not how I feel. And we have to come back to an understanding that God's word is the infallible word of God. And if I'm going to live my life favored and blessed by him, I have to come back to the truth of what his word established for me, the boundaries that he has set, not to keep me things out of my life, but to show me how to live to the fullness. When he gave Adam and Eve the commandment, he didn't talk about that tree. He talked about everything else that was in the garden that they could enjoy. And he said, just don't eat of this one or you're going to die and he offered them everything else. And that's the same way in our life. He's offering us all of these truths that will show me how to have a happy marriage, show me how to have healthy relationships by um, being with the right people, uh, shows us how to deal and be financially blessed by knowing how to manage our money scripturally. I mean, all these things he gives us to live a favored and blessed life. So truth was not sent to. And that's what happens. Let's go on further. That's what happens when truth is outside of grace. Right. Truth by itself becomes just as damning as grace does by itself. That truth now without grace is a set of laws that nobody can live. Yeah. You know, true. that it, it's a legalistic system that has turned so many people off. And so I love it because he put grace before truth. Because mm -hmm. great, grace is required before. If he had put truth and grace, we'd have never got to grace. Right. So he put that Jesus is grace. He loves us without any condition, and now he wants to bring us into a desire because if I truly grasp that unconditional love, I want to obey those laws. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's good, Pastor. We're next year, 2019. We're doing a series called Guardrails, which is kind of hits on this. And uh, and one of the things that we were, I was kind of writing out some ideas for next year. And when we get ready to do that series called Guardrails, one of the things that I was thinking about in that was how I, I feel like. Um, and this could get a, a good Paul, a little short conversation. Um, but I feel like, uh, you know, Jesus said in his word that he did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Right. Um, and had he abolished it, then, then truth would be avoided and we wouldn't have to live up to an expectation and there wouldn't be requirements on believers and, and all those things. But he didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it, which means that we are to live up to every bit of it that we can. And he fulfills where we fall short. That's the way I kind of grabbed a hold of that. But one of the thoughts that I had in that was, to me, it sounds like an ever-changing grace sounds like an ever-changing, fluctuating volume in our lives. In other words, today, uh, the law says to love your brother, and today, uh, I may love you know every single person I come across and display that fruit very well and show them love, but tomorrow, I may fall considerably more short of that than I did today. And the ever-changing and ever-evolving level of how much mercy I'm going to need in my life is constantly changing because I'm constantly walking out this journey uh, where Jesus, where he says that he's going to fulfill the law for me as he fulfills that law for me it's going to mean that he constantly distributes the proper level of grace in my life each day to make up where i mess up Um, and i think that's huge because uh you know the bible says that his mercies are new every morning and uh, when i was reading that as i was just kind of putting that whole thing together i just thought wow that's so profound because each day you're going to need Jesus to make up the difference between where you fall short and what he completes. Um, and so as he does that, um, I think that it's, it's, it's important for us to remember that just like you said, he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't try. It means that where we fall short, but if we fall short, that means we had to have made an attempt to complete it. We just fall short. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's no, cool. you know, and, and kind of summing this up, I know time's catching us, it, we, we brought the message together and said, so if we're going to be true image bearers of Christ, then we must be people full of grace and truth. And the greatest example in the Bible, I think, of that coming together was Jesus with the woman caught in adultery mm. and how the, the religious people brought her to Jesus and said, we've caught her red-handed, and the law, truth by itself, says she's to be stoned and put to death. And it did. The law did say that without grace, mm-hmm. put her to death. And I love what Jesus did. And we all know the story. He knelt down and wrote something in the sand. No one really knows, but we have our own feeling about that. And But they that still didn't do it. They were still telling him the law says put her to death, stone her. And the second time he knelt down, he began to write in the sand and people began to disappear. Her accusers began to walk away a lot of people think he was writing down some mistresses' names in the sand that kind of busted some of them. Like, I know your secrets, too, because I found out that judgmental people are, are, are people that only operate in the in truth outside of grace are extremely judgmental people. And 99.9% of those people have some really heavy-duty stuff going on in their dark closet, or they wouldn't be that judgmental. Yeah, And they would be really receiving much more grace in their life than they are just truth. But they they disappeared. And now it's just her and Jesus, 
And I love that conversation. And Jesus asked her, where are your accusers? And she said, I have none. And here's grace. Grace comes first. He says, then neither do I condemn thee. She was guilty. She was caught red-handed. But grace says, I don't condemn you. But he didn't stop there. He immediately followed it up with his his second characteristic, his second part of his image. He said, grace, I don't condemn you, but truth, don't go do it anymore. Right. There's the boundaries. Right. So here's grace. You're forgiven right where you are. Here's truth. You can't keep living that lifestyle and be free. Don't go do it anymore. Right. And he says, that's the image that we're to present to a world today if we're going to be true image bearers of God. And we went into that now takes time, that salvation is instant. But then the third part of the message was there's time involved because he says that we're being transformed in the image of God from glory to glory to glory. And we shared about Adam and Eve when God removed them from the garden after they sinned. He didn't do that to punish them as many have preached. He did that because now they realized they were naked. They were in darkness. They were in sin. And there was a tree of life there. And if they had eaten of that tree of life in that sinful condition, they would have been lost and damned for eternity. He removed them from the garden to keep them away from that tree of life, knowing that time was going to be a redemptive time, that through the same woman that committed the sin that brought sin into the world was going to come an offspring that was going to be the Lamb of God, that was going to be the Redeemer of lost mankind, grace and truth together. He showed grace by removing them, but he also showed truth that he was going to fulfill the promise of his word. And so he removed them so that through time, redemptive time, there was going to be another man born, and that man was going to be the Son of God, and through him was going to come the redemption of all mankind that we today can live as image bearers of God through grace and truth. Amen. That's good. Yeah. That's good. You talked about worship being powerful and their greatest weapon during warfare and that worship and learning to worship in the middle of your why. Yeah, because all of us are going through something. You know, as image bearers of Jesus, something is going to, I'm going to use the word try us to determine how much grace and truth do we really have in our life. You know, because it's those trials. You know, victories we celebrate in, but it's in our failures and in our weaknesses and in our losses seemingly that we grow in, that we become transformed. And we talked about the area, you know, that the only time in scripture that Jesus did not refer to God as his father was in Matthew. And it was where he was at the cross and he looked up into the heavens and he said, my father, my father, or he said, my God, my God, why? The big why, why have you forsaken me? And boy, do some of us have some whys in our life. I've been asking a why for several years right now, you know, to God. But in the midst of his greatest hour of conflict and abandonment, he felt like, you know, because God pulled the shade of heaven, turned his back on his son. Because he, It wasn't because of that. He turned his back because he became what he feared most, and that was sin. He became like us. He didn't fear the cross. He didn't fear the, the scourging or the thorns or the spear. He feared becoming like us, sinful man. And so at that moment, he looked up to the heaven when he needed God the most, and God had turned his back on him. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The why. But in the synoptics, you can't read just one. You've got to go through them all because they all wrote the same story and some left things out. And if we go to Luke, Luke finished the story 
And Luke said, Jesus said this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But Father, there's worship. Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. He finished it. And so if we're going to become true image bearers of God, we have to learn how to worship in the middle of our why. Mm -hmm. And that allows redemptive time to take place. That if we lose our worship in the middle of our why, then we never allow God to fulfill his purpose in that redemptive time. So no matter where we are in life, I hurt today. I've cried every day for four years over my grandson. I've cried today already, almost about two right now. I still have whys, but, you know, I shared Sunday, Jabin's favorite song uh, was At the Cross by Hillsong. We listened to it every time I was with him. We would play that song. It's like it soothed him, you know, and uh, it wasn't, you know, 15, 20 minutes when things kind of calmed down after Jabin left us and everybody, more people came into the room. One of the first things I did was walked into one of the other empty rooms, and I got on my phone, and I pulled up YouTube, and I pulled up At the Cross, and I worship with mine and Jabin's favorite song. That's great. Because worship is our greatest weapon in warfare yeah, and in conflict because it brings us through the why. And if we can learn to worship in the middle of our why, we will see God's redemption, redemption taking place in our life that grace is going to get us through it. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Grace is there. And then that allows truth that God's word is going to tell us, because right now we're living on truth that God says it's not over for Jabin. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, that we will be with Jabin again, that he's healthy and whole in heaven right now. He's with his grandma, with his grandpa He's up there throwing the ball with my brother. He's going hunting with Danny Will Banks. He's, he's having the most fun he's ever had in his life. I have that promise through truth. Right. And I can enjoy that, and I can really believe that if I have my worship. But if I lose my worship, then the questions start taking away the truth, and now I lose the why. So good. It's good. That was a, it, was a, it was a powerful message. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, so, man, we uh, we uh, we will continue to navigate the next you know the next little while personally uh, for us as we figure out uh, you know different answers and and uh, unfortunately because of, it's unfortunate um, that. Uh, you know, Jabin is no longer with us, and it's it's a it's a painful process that we're walking out. However, it has uh, opened up the doors. We're going to have a number of amazing pastors with us uh, in the weeks to come. Uh, with us at TC, I will be preaching some uh, in the weeks um, to come at TC. But we're also going to have some uh, amazing. Uh, some of our overseers are coming in to uh, to preach at TC, which yes. is. Amazing, you know, we in our growth track, our, our members class, we talk about our overseers. Um, but you know, just like with a lot of churches, you never really see those people, you right. know, because they're they're kind of there for, you know, as the just in case or character stuff or whatever. And a lot of times, you never see them. And and uh, so our church is going to get to get to hear and, and sit under and experience uh, some services with some of our overseers, which is which is really really, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be great. And so we're gonna. We're going to have some some weeks where myself and my wife Ashley are going to uh, to get away, and uh, you know I was thinking of this yesterday, Justin. You know, Justin and I have a lot of the conversations with the Dream Team still, um, and when people need breaks, we we come to them and we say, "Listen, we want to make sure that you're healthy. We want to make sure you're okay." 
um, and you need to take a break. Um, and sometimes there's some frustration there where it's like, well, I don't, I don't really want to take a break, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, um, and we say, no, 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 like we're doing this for you. You know, it's about health. It's about being okay. Um, and so, uh, the church is going to get to witness me experiencing the same thing, uh, myself and my wife, um, and to a degree, pastor Dan as well, uh, where we, um, you know, where we have to make sure that we're healthy. And, uh, I know that our church is going to be totally okay with that and totally understand that, but just bringing up the idea that, you know, we practice what we preach, you know, we have, we want to be healthy. We want our families to be healthy and, and we're always going to, we're always going to pr- declare the gospel, but we're going to do it from a position of health. And, um, so our overseers are going to be stepping in some in the weeks to come and, uh, prayerfully having them on some of the podcasts too, which is going to be really exciting. Absolutely. So, yes, sir. So, uh, so, uh, man, we greatly appreciate all of you guys, Pastor Dan. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, continue prayers for everyone, you know, for all of our listeners. Um, and, uh, we, we greatly appreciate you guys tuning in. Justin, tell them where they can find us. They can find us at Transformation Church at, uh, Facebook and Instagram at Transformation Pensacola. I personally am on Twitter, Instagram at Justin Oswald underscore. Brad, you're at the same place at Brad Livingston underscore. Brad Livingston underscore Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. So, uh, man, the, again, at this podcast, if it, uh, it would mean a lot to us if you would, if you would rate it and, and share it and even subscribe. We, we post these, uh, weekly follow ups every week as well as on the, in the, in the feed. You'll see, uh, our sermons from Sunday are also available on the podcast and then, you know, we meet here and break them down a little bit on, uh, on and you get that on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning. So uh, it'll mean a lot if you share, subscribe, and, and all that stuff. Um, Pastor Dan, again, like like Brad said, it was awesome having you with us. I know you're on Facebook. You don't do some of the other no, the other things. Have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's um, on Facebook. He's got more here. friends than all of us on Facebook. He does. Uh, yeah. And what was funny is growing up, so when text message was like. You know, he would always say, like, man, I am never going to text because that just seems like the biggest waste of time. You know, he said, if I need to tell somebody something, I'm going to call them. Yeah. Well, now all he does is text yeah. all day. And then we were on <laughs> Facebook and he says, I'm not getting on Facebook. That just seems like a big They're waste tools, of time. Man, you know, we could have ended this podcast <laughs> like <laughs> And so now he's, now he's got more friends than all of us on Facebook. Yeah. So, uh, so only a matter of time before Instagram and Twitter takes off for Pastor no, Dave. It's coming, folks. I'm letting no. you know right now it's coming. Uh, so, no, thanks again pastor for being on and uh, like justin said man subscribe to the podcast uh share it on your social media um and tune in next week if you hit subscribe you'll catch it every week just in your inbox and you guys can listen we greatly appreciate all of you we love you continue to pray for me and my family uh pastor dan as well uh and pray for our church um but we will see uh the next season of both our lives and our church um as we move forward with the legacy of jabin in mind um, while at the same time declaring the gospel until the Lord takes us all home. So we appreciate all of you guys and we'll catch you next week. See you guys.